Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So we, uh, we're just going to do a, a little bit of an overview in uh, the three hours that are left to us now this morning. <laughs> well, you got, uh, yeah. All right. So in Acts chapter 8, is on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. On what day? Well, that was the day that Stephen was stoned. And he was stoned because of his faith and it was the religious people who were persecuting that brought about the stoning of Stephen. Wow, religious people persecute life. They they love godliness, but they deny the power of God in their godliness. And that's... It's like a serious contradiction. It shouldn't be, because God is the powerful one. So... The religious people, they stone Stephen. Then great persecution breaks out against the church. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Isn't that interesting? Come on, the Bible is including some code phrases in here. What did Jesus say in Acts chapter 1? Stick around in Jerusalem until... Until the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then what? Be my witnesses, where? Where you are, Jerusalem, and then? Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Okay? They, they didn't quite get, get it straight. It says, wait in Jerusalem until Holy Spirit. But they waited in Jerusalem, and they stayed waiting in Jerusalem. And they didn't advance Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Okay? So then the Lord organizes a great shaking. Not all shakings are bad. Remember they prayed. One one time they prayed. This is Acts 4. They prayed and the building was shaken. They were filled with such boldness, courage, they went out preaching and just doing the stuff of the kingdom. Okay? Then there's a whole nother shaking, a persecution. And God turns that persecution around to cause it to become something of good. So now the people are scattered, Judea and Samaria, fulfilling actually what God said, Acts 1.8. Interesting, there. Verse 2, godly men buried Stephen and they mourned deeply for him. But Saul... This is the guy who's going to become Paul. Saul was a bad guy. Yeah. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and he put them in prison. Hey, when the, the enemy motivates people to do terrible and wicked things, 
Remember, it's the enemy influencing them to do wicked things. Sometimes we see people who are rallying against the church and we want to exert whatever feelings against them, not recognizing that actually there's a power operating behind them. And we need to pray that they get loose from the power that's impacting and influencing them and causing them to respond in a particular way. Remember, God wants all men to be saved. Even those who are acting like a Saul. All right. Including politicians, by the way. Okay. Now, this is where we actually want to go. And we've only got... Okay. Verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Great joy in that city because healing and deliverance was being released. This is amazing. Yeah? So we live in the city called Joyburg, which means we are primed for joy in the city. And one of the ways in which joy comes to a city is through freedom and healing. Okay. So, there is heaps and heaps of people who are in physical distress and they need a miracle. Guess what? They're being set up to experience great joy. They're being set up for an encounter with the power of God. And they just need a Philip to go to them. So who's Philip? Well, Philip was a guy who loved God. He was a guy who was open to the power of the Spirit. How do we know this? Well, because we saw in Acts chapter 6, when the apostles said, Hey guys, there's too much going on. We're looking after the widows in Jerusalem. See, there they are again, widows in Jerusalem. And they were taking care of them. They were providing meals. They were waiting and serving on the tables. And it wasn't that it was beneath the dignity of the apostles. It just was becoming too big of a task. Because remember that the disciples, all of the disciples, the community, were so generous that they would give funds, they would even sell land property and bring the funds, put it at the feet of the apostles to distribute, to take care of God's people. No social services, no pension funds, no government schemes. They had to take care of each other. 
And so because of the generosity of God's people, there were a lot of funds, there was a lot of feeding schemes going on, there was a lot of intervention in helping one another. And this became almost like a full-time job. And the guy said, whoa, you know what? We actually need to spend time in the scriptures and in prayer and in leading this church. It was a few thousand people that was part of the church at that time. They said, hey, let's raise up these guys. They then became known as the deacons from diakonos, which is to serve. And so these guys were serving in the church. It says, choose people full of the Holy Spirit. So wow, in order to serve God and serve God's people, you need to be full of the Spirit. Not full of the flesh, not full of good works, full of the Spirit. Yeah? Hey, if you want to be on parking, you need to be full of the Spirit. Especially the way some people drive. Yeah? Serving Tea, coffee, be full of the Spirit. Children's ministry, definitely full of the Spirit. Yeah? Whatever it is, we're doing it in the power of the Spirit. So Philip was, he was great. He, he, uh, he also was a man of great patience. We know this because he had seven daughters. I just had four sisters and my dad was a man of great patience just with four daughters. Imagine with seven daughters how Philip would have been. Okay. So, he was a man of integrity. He was a man of of a servant heart, servant nature, given and yielded over to the things of the Lord, full of the Spirit. But otherwise, he was just an ordinary person. He wasn't one of the 12. We don't know that he was necessarily hanging around with Jesus when Jesus was walking on the earth. We don't know that at all. But he certainly wasn't one of the 12. Okay. I'm underlining. I'm trying to make it as bold as I can so that you can see. Philip was just an ordinary oak. Yielded, surrendered, to the Lord and his purposes, but he was an ordinary guy. And now he, escaping difficulty, hardship, and persecution, not because he had a significant prophetic word. Philip, thus saith the Lord, go to Samaria. No, he didn't have a prophetic word. He was just hightailing it for his own safety. He found himself in Samaria. They were scattered. So this wasn't part of his original plan. His plan was to stick in Jerusalem and keep looking after the widows. But God disrupted the plan through persecution. This is this like... This does not compute with some of our brains. Like, how can God allow bad things to happen to good people? Ever heard that one before? Yeah, because we've thought it before. How can God allow this difficult thing to take place? Well, out of the 
persecution out of the death of Stephen and then persecution and the church can't meet. Come on, where we've heard that before. People are being arrested. Ooh, it's nothing new under the sun. And out of the persecution and the difficulty and the hardship, the church goes underground. They're in their homes. They spread to other places. And Philip himself finds himself in a place called Samaria. Do you remember the, th- the sons of thunder? They'll be James and John, right? Why were they called the sons of thunder? Because they'd been to Samaria and the Samaritans didn't believe in Jesus so they wanted to curse these people and call down fire of judgment on these people. Philip would have heard the stories. Now he finds himself in a place that's antagonistic historically to the things of Jesus. What does he do? He just goes about doing what he was doing when he was looking after the tables. Being full of the Spirit and serving. And out of that, being full of the Spirit and serving, and he sees people and their needs, they're sick, they're diseased, they're lame, they're crippled. And he lays hands on them because he remembers because they would keep an account of the stories that was passed on in in a verbal and oral tradition before it was written down. They would know what Jesus had said. He says, hey guys, go and lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Just go and do it. So he does it. As amazing, great joy comes to the city because he's obedient to what Jesus said. I mean, how hard is it? Have you got a hand? Place hand on person. Jesus, heal. Amen. Take hand off. How's it going? Smiles. That would be joy. That would be the indication that healing has come. Hmm? And we see then also simultaneously taking authority over the works of the evil one. Apostle John writes and he says, the reason that the Son of Man, Jesus, was made manifest, was visible, seen, was that he came to destroy the works of the evil one. Many of the the stories in the Gospels where Jesus was praying for people, he would rebuke the evil spirit that was tormenting the person that caused them to be sick, to be crippled. He would rebuke that spirit, drive it off them, and then release healing. Similarly, in Samaria, as Philip is engaging and doing the same things that Jesus told and commanded his followers to do. He just did what he was told. Hmm? 
Come on, how many of you when you were young and your parents said, just do what you're told? Hmm? And we didn't always understand it as kids, but now that we are parents and we use the same phrases on our kids, it's because we know something. Just, just don't argue, just do what you're told. So he just did what he was told. And he knew that he'd been given authority. Because remember, when Jesus sent out firstly the 12, and then when he sends out the 72, now the 72 are not the apostles, right? So we know that Jesus was sending out non-apostles to go and do healing and deliverance. Again, that argument that it was only for the time of the apostles and when the apostles died out. I mean, the fact that Jesus sent out the 72 completely nullifies that argument. He's, he's, he said, listen, guys, I'm giving you the authority over evil and demonic spirits. Just drive them out and release healing. I'm giving you that authority. So we don't do that in our own name in our own power or our own authority. We're doing it because we are in him. So we're doing it in his name. So we're in him, inside of him, we're in his authority. That's why he's given his authority to us because we're in him. Yeah? And we know that he has taken control over or dominion over the enemy yeah. on the cross he said it's done boys now we need to enforce that victory so he's got the authority so he's this week we're going to celebrate the ascension we'll hopefully look at it a bit more next week but just before he goes up, he says, guys, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now listen, I'm now charging you. Now you guys go. You guys go and do it. And so we've got the authority that he got, he's now delegating to us. So when we encounter a situation, we have his authority backing us up because we've been delegated to go and do things in his name. So if a situation arises when you're praying for somebody, you, some other disease, sickness, ailment, and all of a sudden there's some kind of a, a demonic reaction, we don't get afraid because we know that he has taken authority over those things and he's given us that same authority over those things. So we just say, in Jesus' name, leave. And we don't get intimidated because that's the very thing that the enemy wants to trade in. He loves to trade in fear. But perfect love, God is perfect love, perfect love casts out all fear. So we stay in love with him, we stay in a place of peace, we're under his authority, we don't need to fear whatever is going on. 
And sometimes they shriek and squeal and all the rest of it. And sometimes they do it because they want to make a show. Sometimes they do that because they want to intimidate and create a bigger dimension of fear in other people. Mm -hmm. Personally, I don't like that. I just tell them to shut up. So no. You're not going to make a noise. You're not going to make a scene. The glory is going to Jesus, not to you. So you be quiet and you leave. Yeah, we're not going to broadcast your nonsense as though you know you are really powerful. Actually, you're not powerful because he stripped you of your power. And so now you're here illegally squatting in somebody's abode. And they're a child of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're illegally squatting in the temple, and we're going to evict you now. Mm. We got like a sheriff's badge. We've been deputized. Time to leave. That's the authority that he gives to believers. So this is Philip. He's not a super apostle. He's just a guy who's yielded to the Holy Spirit and loves to help and serve people. And then God uses him. With this healing thing, love God, love people, you qualify. And if some strange things happen, just take care of it. Hmm. All right. Genoeg. Amen. I can invite you to stand. Because we've got to go to the next part of the service, which is having fellowship. Before we get there. If anybody is feeling unwell, how's this? You have authority over that sickness yourself. All right. So if you've got pain in your body, why don't you just put your hand on that part of your body that there's pain or there's sickness or whatever it is. You're going to pray for yourself. How's this? You can lay hands on yourself. Just lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You sick, lay hands on yourself. Okay. Thank you, Lord, that you give to us your authority. Thank you that you are the God who heals. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you're still healing. Thank you that you said to your followers, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So now we lay hands on this sickness, we say, sickness go in Jesus' name. Healing come. It, wholeness come. Amen. So Lord, we ask that with the same sense of ease and peace and comfort, that as we go Monday through Saturday encountering people wherever we are who need healing, that we would step out in your name and in your authority 
and release healing and wholeness to whoever we meet. Thank you that you gave to us the power and the authority to do this. Thank you that we can be your hands and your feet in this world, that we can represent you and represent you to this world that needs your touch. So Lord, strengthen us, cause a boldness to rise up within us to trust you that these things that you said would happen, actually, that they will happen. Thank you, Lord. Let a courage and a boldness come upon your people. Yay. And let great joy come to this city because you are doing great things. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So may the peace of God and the love of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, the Christ, and the fellowship of Holy Spirit strengthen you, encourage you, lift you up, be upon you and in you now and in the week ahead. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Bless you.